three. Hello and welcome to Red and Black Football. My name is Gavin. I'm joined here today by Andrew. How's things, mate? Yeah, good, mate. How's things with you? I can't complain. I'd be a lot happier if the Wanderers would uh, be able to hold on to a lead or on to a point for that matter. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Sunday was a, a frustrating encounter, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Well, one thing when you look at it over the last um, three games, and they've come in quick succession, it hasn't been three weeks, but we've thrown away five points uh, essentially within 20 minutes. I think it was about 77 minutes or something like that when um, everything went wrong for us over in Perth. And we made it to about 86, 87 minutes in um, the two games before that, especially when you think against um, a very good Melbourne victory team and against a, a Wellington team which had been on fire for the last you know, five, six weeks. Um, those would have been both very credible points to take that we couldn't hold on for those last few minutes. It's such a shame. And then um, over in Perth, when we were up 3-1, I was like, God, this is what it feels like to be a Wanderers fan again. You know, it's like... We're holding on to, we're, we're, we're playing great football, especially when you think that those goals that we got, um, you know, um, we hit on the break, but they were taken first time. They weren't dinking around with the ball or um, passing backwards or anything like that. It was one, two, three in the back of the net. It was beautiful to watch. And, um, you know, we'll have a chat about some of the officiating decisions. I saw that, um, that Marcus came out and made a statement, and so he should. Um, I thought the officiating was poor, um, but that doesn't um, that doesn't go any way to um, to well it, it it doesn't fix the fact that we allowed them to breach our net four times, and um, yeah we've we've certainly got some issues at the club. Yeah, there's a lot lots to think about over the past few games, and you know what what players need to be here, what players don't need to be here, and. And, and babble and what he says and how he sets out the team. But but I think we're going to get through it today, I hope. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, a couple of days ago, for those who are on, um, on our Facebook page, we put up a, um, a post, and I'll just read it out quickly. It's only online. Um, podcast coming soon. What topics do you want discussed? Comment below. Now, we've um, picked out a couple here because there's some which are, are very, very good. And um, we'll start with Corey Anderson, who said, um, Is Babel really as good as we originally thought? I'm not throwing shade, um, but Combal copped so much shit for the form, yet Babel is being protected from comments of how he spent money. Um, he walked into a shit team. Combal literally said that our team was lazy and he lost the group and the fans. Babel said we are one of the worst in the league and he's praised for saying it how it is. Now, it is a very fair criticism, um, in the sense that, well, um, Gombau got absolutely pilloried um, for coming in and, uh, well, slating the system, slating the way things were and, um, uh, and attacking the players. Now, one thing, this didn't come out for many, many months. Um, but um, when it did, it almost came out as an excuse. As it is with Babel, Babel has been very public with his criticisms and the like, and... Um, well, I think one major contrast is that we coming out of the Popovich era, the club had basically been moulded by Popper. Um, all the signings were there were by Popper. Every the way the club was run was run by Popper. Everything was Popper, Popper, Popper. As it is now, Babel's come into a state of flux. Um, he's still got some of the signings there from Popovich. He's got signings that were made by Gombau. He's got signings that were made there by the club not necessarily by a manager and he's got some of his own signings um you know he's coming to a toss salad of a footballing environment <clears throat> and uh, there's there's demands on him you know people want immediate results and for me i'm happy enough for him to come out and say look you know i don't have the group i want if he's going to defend them for instance and say no i've got the team i want them more i'm sorry you've got to have results on the park um, that said, <laughs> how much time are we going to give him? If, um, for example, he does get the team he wants and we're coming ninth this time next year, then, like, seriously, you know, it'll be build a bonfire. Um, like, yeah, the, the pitchforks will be out for him. But I, I do believe that um, he, he needs to clean out the team, that he needs to um, select the ones that he can go forward with. 
and that he needs to uh, he, he needs to be given a lot of latitude in the transfer market. Um, what are your own thoughts on this one, Andrew? Yeah, I, I think it's it's interesting what you said. I think I do agree with the comment that um, we, we criticise Gombau for essentially the same reason that we're now not criticising Babel. But but in a way that they both had to deal with their own problems with the squads. And as you said, when Gombau came in, he came in partway through the season, a few games in, and it, it was Popovich's side. It wasn't his side. Um, and in the January window, he only really got to sign Economides, I think, and that was about it, really. So, oh, in Kruska, but it, his side was built by Popper. And now Babel is experiencing the exact same problem in that a lot of the signings were already pre, pre-done because they were under the assumption that Gombau was still going to be here. And he was signing ex-Adelaide players, players that he liked in the league, left, right and centre, to build his style of play. And now they, he's gone and Babel's come in and he's really only had the chance to sign three players. And it, it is hard to tell, OK, he's, he's only been able to sign three players and look at the results we have. But when you consider that it's not his squad and he is working with what he's got and he's made a few signings, but the signings that he's made, in my opinion, and I know some, some may disagree, but they've all been excellent. I mean, Alex is arguably one of the best number 10s in the league. He's, he's been our best player in a very, very poor team all season. And even though we did well against Perth, you notice that him not there is a massive loss. Um, Ziegler, even though he has been injured, he looks one of our better back four defenders, 100%. Um, and then Yaboa, I mean, his, his first full 90 minutes, he gets two assists and scores a goal. They're all from Babel. So if it goes to show you that the pedigree of the man attracts the player, so this may go, okay, we don't have the money to spend on players, but if you have someone like a Marcus Babel, you know, ex-Liverpool, ex-Bayern Munich legend, you know, lots of coaching experience, he can ring up the phone to someone in Germany and say, look, are you interested in coming for an Australian trip for a year? And then we bring in these high-caliber players. The man as the coach can bring in some excellent signings, as we've seen with the three that he's made. So I, I have to agree that the criticism between the two is very... It's a massive contrast, but I don't think we should be judging Babel too early. He, he has only been in the job, we're into round 14 now, so he's only been in the job for a couple of months, and I know the results haven't gone our way, but as we said in, in the um, intro, Sunday was refereeing disaster after refereeing disaster, and we've seen it all season, and now we sit here and we go, oh, well, you know, we're eighth in the table, we're not really having our luck, but if the luck in certain situations changes, we could have been 7th, 6th, 5th, you know. And, and it's hard for him because, like I said, he's not working with his squad. It's it's a squad that he's inherited. So I think it's too early to be judging Marcus Babel. It's, it's only he's had one window under his belt, the end of a window, transfer window, I mean, and he's having a little window now. And he's already said, I don't know if you saw the other day, Gav, but... He's already said we don't have any more money to sign more players, yeah. so he's 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 screwed for the rest of the season basically because he, he can't clear out anyone else. So he's got to work with what he's got again. And it, yeah, okay, he may work a miracle, but even if he doesn't, we need to be patient with this guy. He is an excellent coach, seriously. Yeah, I agree with you, mate. Um, it actually brings us on to um, point from Mitchell Berry who said um, how the club expects you to spend money on memberships and merch, but they don't spend money on the field. Now, first things first, going back on your point, it's not that the club doesn't have more money to spend, it's the club is not allowed to spend more money than it has. Um, by the look of things, we've, um, we've spent the salary cap. Now, if we've got value for money out of that, that's, you know, that, that's for the punters to complain about. Um, Pretty much every club in the A League, they play. They spend the maximum of the um, domestic uh, of the domestic cap. Um, I think that's union agreed and, and the like as well. You you can't really go under it. Um, now the one thing is, um, yeah, fans aren't seeing um, value for money. 
Um, I, I think this is a double-edged sword when you think that everyone's away from home. Um, you know, ANZ's been a disaster. There's some games there that has been, you know, it, it reminds me of, like, rugby league back in the 90s. You know, there's some really pitiful crowds, like, you know, you get nine, ten thousand. 10,000. I think it was less than it was about 8,000 against um, the Phoenix. How the hell do they schedule a game against the Phoenix? You know, the Phoenix is going to bring 50 people. No one really wants to go out there and watch them. Why the hell wasn't a game like that played at Penrith? And you can't tell me that it's got to do with rugby league season or something like that because there's no games in the rugby league for a few months. You saw it in our pre-season match, um, it, which was a well, it was a disaster against the Smurfs in the FA Cup. Um, we filled out um, Penrith and it was a fantastic atmosphere. It's such a shame that they haven't taken the games out to there. You have a look at South Western Sydney, like they're sneaking in under the radar. We could have had heaps of these games at Campbelltown. It would have been way better. So I think that we've got a lot of fans who, being away from home, are already angry. Um, our membership prices are high. Um, we're paying for facilities that, in many cases, people can't use. I saw a tweet from uh, Ray Gard put up that, like, when it started pissing down rain and people weren't allowed to go and um, sit undercover in a cavernous stadium with an endless amount of, um, of facilities, it's, it's very, very annoying. Yeah, that was disgraceful. That that's seriously who who decided that? Oh, it's it's nanny state bullshit, mate. You know yourself. But um, I'll say one thing though, and we'll be be clear. That's not the club's fault. Um, that's um, you know, that's ANZ Stadium or the Sports Trust, or whatever whoever the hell runs that. But yeah, it's just stupid rules, and and you know they'll they'll come out and they'll say, oh, if someone falls down and you know has a heart attack or something, we need to know what seat they're in and la di da di da and comes down to insurance and kumbaya. It doesn't come down to common sense, but unfortunately, you know, that, that's a common theme with many things in Australia. There's, there's always another rule which, you know, circumvents, you know, reality. But, um, you know, just to go back on he, onto, his, um, onto his point there, Andrew, do you think that, um, it, like, how, like, the key term is expect, do you think that the... Um, that, that the members should be expected to come in there and stump their money up again next year because this is going to be this is one of the massive things in the forums that people are talking about an empty stadium next year what do Wanderers have to do to make sure that people do go out there and buy that merch go out there and renew that ticket I think one of the biggest things that they could do I don't know if it will happen because in my I mean in our years as Wanderers fans this has probably only ever happened once, is they go out and they make a big-name marquee signing that lights up the league. Like Honda-esque at Melbourne Victory this year. The only time we've ever done that is with Shinji. Yeah. And you saw you saw the quality that he brings to our team. I mean, two-time two A-League grand finalist. We won the league in the first year, made it past the round of 16 in the Champions League because of him in the group stage. Um that that's what that's what you get. You pay for what you you get, you know. And with Riera, he's not. He's low on confidence at the moment. I I don't know how to say it with Riera. He was he was the second best goal scorer in the league last season, and this season he's a shadow of the player that he was. And Alex is excellent, but he's not that big name that you put on the back of the kid's shirt and they pay hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars just to go and see this guy play because he's that good. He's, Alex isn't that kind of player and Oriol isn't that kind of player. But if they both leave, and it looks likely that they may, on top of that, potentially Lorente won't re-sign. He doesn't look like the player he was last year either. Then we may have a variety of visa spots available and potentially the money to spend it on those players. But it depends on whether... It's all up to Paul Ledger, isn't it, really? I mean, if he decides, yeah, yeah this, this guy's good enough, I want to put the money in. Or, in in another case, if you remember, Eduardo, who we tried to sign a few years ago, was not deemed to be a, um, a what was it called again? Uh, a marquee player by FFA standards to yeah. get the, the, the Cahill rule, basically. He wasn't deemed to be a Tim Cahill, despite having over... 70 to 80, nearly 100 games at my uh, Premier League club, Arsenal, 
and an excellent player. He would have torn up the league, but they said, no, he's not good enough. But I feel like a big name is something that will bring a lot of fans back, but the ultimate ultimate thing is success. Unfortunately, it is success. A lot of clubs, I mean, you look at the Mariners, the, the crowds just go down and down and down. The Knicks have never struggled, have always struggled, sorry, to get more than an average crowd of 8,000 to 7,500 a year, which is abysmal. There's NPL clubs that may get higher than that. And it depends on the success of the club. If the club is doing well, the, the fans will turn out. And our club is, is like that, unfortunately, because the success built in one and two determined our, our crowds for season three. Even though they went down, it was still high because people thought, OK, we're in the Champions League, we've had two good years, whatever. They stuck with the club. Season four, the, the uh, attendances were high. And then since then, because we've been poor, we have, we have to admit, we've been poor compared to our standards, the crowds have gone down. And this deluded sense from the club that, oh, we're moving back to a new stadium and everyone's going to turn up because it's the new stadium and it's Parramatta and it's home and we're going to win every game, we're going to win the league, it's, it's not going to be that easy because since we were at Parramatta, every single team, bar maybe the Mariners and maybe the Brisbane Roar, has improved, significantly improved. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. But yeah, that's true. Look, I think one thing, making your point there, mate, um, it, it's a case of spending money to make money. You know, for Mr. Lederer, when he's got this brand-new shiny stadium and he's got a, a catchment of over 2 million people, he's got basically, you know, the cities of... Uh, he's basically got the state of South Australia and Western Australia as, you know, Western Sydney or Greater Western Sydney. He's got all of that market... The one thing is, like you were saying, people are going to go out there and spend that $150 on the top and get the name and, and the like on the back of it. You know, it needs to be a big name. If he wants to bring people in at $40 for a ticket, mate, that they're going to have to pay to go see a big name. There's going to have to be somewhere, some of that wow factor. I remember season one and we were linked with going for Balak. And uh, I remember Sydney FC at the time said, you need to get some bling. And uh, then we started calling them Bling FC and all the rest of it. As it was, we went for Shinji and like what a masterstroke that was. But we do need someone there. We need someone who's going to create a highlight reel. We need someone there that's going to that, that's an instantly recognised name, and that's someone, um, in my opinion, that we can get in a two or three year deal. Not someone who's thirty five or thirty six, um, but someone who can take us to Wonderland and then hopefully, you know, establish, um, well, re-establish the dynasty, if you like, because, you know, we've lost our way as a club recently. Yeah, I have to agree with you 100%. I think, you know, a big name will will get people excited, will get people up for the new season, because let's, let's be honest, I think the rest of this season, barring a miracle, is a write-off. Oh. Um, so... <laughs> I think the, the thing to look forward to now is getting back to Parramatta and starting up a new next season. But but stuff like that is, is what we need to have instant success, you know? Hey, look, one thing for yourself, mate, and for our listeners, it's the 15th day of January and we're already talking about October. <laughs> <laughs> very true, very oh, true. Seriously, mate, pass the Valium, eh? I want to go to bed. But um no, but honestly, it's it's not even waiting for the end of the season. It's 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 waiting for till spring. Anyway, um when we're in the summertime, you couldn't make it up. Um let's see, we have here. It's a good question by Rene Silva. Um, can we find out the total playing squad value and how does it compare to the current top four teams in the league? I think I touched on this a bit. What I assume is, after going on what Marcus has said, that there's no more money available. And, of course, with the A-League, it's contrived. Um, there's only so many players you're allowed to have, etc. Um, and that they have to be paid at a, at a minimum wage, um, you know, or across the squad. There's no more cash in the, um, in the old biscuit tin, which is to say that we're paying domestically for all of our domestic players the same as everyone else is. The one thing is, obviously, players like Honda, they're, they're probably earning as much as you know most of the rest of the team. Him and Toivonen 
we'd probably be earning the rest, what the rest of the Victory squad are earning, for example. And I'd suggest that um, Riera and Alex and the like are uh, earning far less than that. Um, what's your own thoughts on the disparity between our own expenditure and the top four? Yeah, it's it's interesting because if you look at our two our two big names, Oreo and um, Alex, they're both the pedigree is is there because Oreo was had an illustrious career in Spain. You know, I mean, we saw he scored against Real Madrid, and he's he's an excellent player, and he, he probably is worth the money that we're paying him when he's on form. At the moment, he's not, but Alex, um, you know. Time at Bayern Munich, Schalke, you know, big clubs in Germany. So he's worth it too. But I guess to, to try and answer the question of how our squad value is, a good determinant is um, Transfer Market, uh, the, the website. Uh, they determine, like, the value of a player based on, you know, how well they're performing, what the club values them at, their contract situation, um, so if you are interested, you can go on to that website. They, it's very, obviously, European-focused, but I think it's got all the A-League in there as well. You can go on there yourself, have a look. Um, our best, you know, say Oriere is worth uh, 750000 Oz. Alex is probably worth 600000 Oz. Um, but then, say, if we are to compare it with the top four, then Honda would be probably 1.5 mil. Toivonen would be 1.2 mil. So you're comparing our playmaker and our striker to their playmaker and their striker, and it's it's a it's a gap. It's a definite gap, and maybe that's the reason that we're you know eighth and they're second or third or whatever they are. <laughs> I think one of the things with that we've transfer market, and it's a fantastic website, um, but that's going on what you you buy a player for. I wonder what their wages are because I don't believe that um, any transfers are being paid for for Ola Toivonen or for um, Honda. Yeah, they've come as free transfers. They come on a Bosman, if you like. But how much are they making a week? Are they making 20, 30, 40 a week? You know I mean? If, when you're thinking it's a 27-game um, season, make it 30. If they're on 30 a week, they're only pulling in 900 grand, only 900 grand. I'd suggest that they're, they're over a million. So um, if they're on 1.8, for instance, that's 60,000 a week, which is a ridiculous amount of money when you think of it. It's bugger all compared to what you're getting um, in, in Europe, mind you. Um, but anyway, um, moving forward, there's a long question here by Ben Reid. I'll paraphrase it down. Um, where our club image is heading? And um, he talks down about, or he talks about um, bringing the local community back. And um, uh, towards the end, talking about the pre, mid and post game entertainment, the walk around Parramatta area, everything is red and black and welcomed um, with the new stadium, like we saw um, the FFA came out with some practically, well, some ridiculous um, ideas with relation to music during corners and all the rest of it um, how do you see the new um, Wonderland experience coming, there's one club over in Britain, very famous club, Millwall, um, who Kevin Musket and Timmy Cahill both played for um, from memory. Um, and they had an old stadium called the Den, and it was a it was a dump of a ground, but it, it was so close to the action that um, all the other players were shit scared of going there because you know they you could hear the insults of the bloke in row three. Um, then they moved them to the new Den, and it was very sanitised, and straight away. Um, uh, Millwall dropped about 15 points a season because their home ground just wasn't as scary. Um, I think with the new Wonderland, um, in some ways it's going to be better in the way that, you know, it's going to be a steeper terrace. But at the same time, the entire Western Terrace looks like a hotel block. To me, it doesn't look, it doesn't look all that intimidating where you're going to be, you know, you're up against 5,000 suits on one side. Um, the, there's going to be the, the safe standing area. Hopefully that's going to be able to generate some noise. But having said that, the RBB is honestly talking about, you know, throwing in the, um, throwing in the scarf, as it were. Um, how do you see the new Wonderland panning out, mate? Yeah, that's, it's an interesting comment, you know, like how the, um, the identity of the club, it, it seems to have changed over the past 
60 years because we, we have that early success um, and then, you know, it warranted the Parramatta upgrade and now we've been waiting for it and since we've been waiting for it, it has seemingly gone downhill. Um, but the new Wonderland, I think, I think, yeah, the pre-game stuff, you know, like the, the walk up to the ground, having the the kids with the, the shoot for goal stuff and um, I don't mind the music, you know, they have music stations set up, you know, they have a, a merchandise shop, you know, like all that, that, that sounds like a good idea. Um, you know, like member prizes and stuff like that. You know, like rewarding the members for the money they put in um, on the way to the ground just to kind of display it. Um, and then I think, yeah, the safe standing zone, uh, I think it'll kick off well and the RBB will pick up if we get a good run of fixtures at the start. I mean, for me, the first game there of the season, I wouldn't want to have Sydney because I feel like it's too much weight too much expectation to have that game straight off the bat. I feel like maybe a Melbourne victory, um, just to kind of uh, ease it into it. Um, you know, maybe get fifteen to twenty thousand to a Melbourne victory game. You know, I mean they're gonna they're gonna sell the crap out of it. That first game back at Parramatta. You know, oh here we go, Melbourne victory back at Parramatta Stadium, and then they're gonna put up videos of oh remember Brisbane Raw, remember the five four, and everyone's like, oh, yeah. everyone's gonna get excited, you know, you know. So I think I they, think they'll sell out the first game no matter what. People will go there just to keep the ticket from it. Yeah, I, I think so because it's gonna be a historic, a historic moment because I'm I'm I think we're gonna be the first professional game in there. I'm not sure if Eels are going to get in there before we are. No, I'm pretty sure they do. Oh, bastards. <laughs> <laughs> but no. either way, either way. Our I think it's going to be ready in July, bigger. mate. So they'll, they'll get the back end of their season. But I think that the talks were, I'm not sure if they've changed their stance, but the talks from what I heard from the Eels was that they didn't want to pay the amount that was going to have to be paid to play in the stadium. They were just going to say, no, we're packing up and moving to ANZ. But I don't know, they might have changed their stance, but yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens. All right, um, moving on quickly. Um, uh, Jorge Martinez has come up with a very good point. The lack of competent referees in the A-League. Seeing the quality of referees at times, ACL has come uh, around. There is quality in our um, conference. Um about time the FFA invest in this aspect of our game. Now, let's just touch on a couple of um, ridiculous decisions for mine. For starters, um, with Keogh, I've never seen anyone milk a penalty that good. Um, at, at the end of the day, he was leaning in and he had his hand around him um, on um, Hamill's ass. Hamill, you know, by rights, he did have his hands on him at the front, but where else is he going to put his hands? And you've got a bloke grabbing onto him, leaning into you. If Hamill stands out of the way, one of two things happens. Keo bursts in on goal, or Keo falls over anyway. You know what I mean? You, you, you're screwed if you do, and you're screwed if you don't. The way things are now, when the on-field referee makes a decision, you know, it, it, it goes for the VAR. The VAR have to overturn and say, no, nah, mate, you got it wrong. If it's within the rules... If it's within interpretation, then it's like, no, we've got to uphold what the ref said. There's no common sense in it, you know? So um, the the more fancy teams are getting these calls, um, I think the VAR itself is a disaster, I think, um, because it it comes down to interpretation. We saw, for instance, with um, somehow during the derby, um, you know, we had a goal chopped off. And then you see um, with Perth, like old mate standing two metres in front of it, he's 100% in the play. It's as clear as day, and that goal stands. Um, what do you think of the refereeing yourself, champ? Well, that, that one that you just mentioned there, I've, I've, got to, I've got to detail it because it absolutely frustrates me. So if people don't remember, in Derby 1 at the SCG, our... Our goal, Bonavati's goal, was removed because Soterio was in an offside position during the play. He impeded Michael Zullo, okay? 25 metres from the ball. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's, that is the situation that we got given, okay? Right? Everyone was upset. Everyone booed, whatever. Babel got red carded. It, it, crap. Absolute crap. But now we're in the situation here where we've just played Perth and Castro's goal 
Jason Davidson was a metre offside, clearly offside. He's standing next to Suman, next to him, and next to Castro when he scores, yet that goal is not rubbed off. All it's of the four same... or five metres from the goal line, mind you, as well, straight in front. Yeah, it, and it's the same rule. It's the yeah. same rule as the Soterio thing. So why are we getting the bad end of the stick in one situation, but the same situation occurs, and yet we still get the bad end of the stick? Like, see, like we must be the unluckiest club in the league at the moment. We do not get absolutely anything from VAR. That penalty, like you said, I'm telling you now, he, he could have, Hamill could have t- put his hand on his shoulder and would have fell. Yeah. It, it, disgraceful. I can't stand it. Yeah, but this is the thing with that. If he put his hand on his shoulder, by rights, there is contact inside the box. So within the interpretation of the laws, if the on-field decision is to walk him, then that is upheld because there is video evidence of the touch. You know, it doesn't come down to, oh, no, mate, he took a dive. He's just leaning in. Oh, okay, overrule it. It comes down to he's made a call. And now you've got to find evidence which categorically friggin' dismisses that. There's, you know, there's always going to be contact in football. One thing that um, Babel said after Bacchus got the um, yellow card, he says, mate, you know, basketball's harder than this. What are you on about? And, and it's true. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, we're seeing um, instances where cards are being given out for, you know, for light challenges. And, and stuff like that's been completely overlooked. Um... Again, the absolute softest penalty you ever see by Keo. You know what I mean? Like, um, it's friggin' disgraceful in my opinion. But look, the the whole VAR, it's a joke. And going back onto Jorge's, um, on his point, um, the FFA absolutely must um, put some money into this. It's it's got to train its referees up to a basic standard, you know, into some, some consistency. If you if you if you get beaten by that rule one day and then you get let off by it the next, okay, fine. You get bitten by that rule one day and then that rule comes along, you get bitten anyway. Well, oh, I'm sorry, you you've got the opportunity to complain about the rule in general. Well, that's I mean I think Babel's comments are 100 percent justified because he he's probably thinking about that that incident where he got red carded and thinking to himself, so here we are. And, and we've got a goal taken away from us. And now in this situation, they've got given a goal. And I'm telling you now, because Castro was given these deathly eyes to the linesman, deathly eyes to the referee, because it was his goal and he's one of the marquee players in the league, he said, yeah, this is going to be a goal. And he made sure it was a goal. He was pressuring them 100%. And it's absolute crap. Yeah, look, the big boys always get the... Um... Um, they get the, uh, the good calls, unfortunately, and unfortunately, it's terrible to say, but we are the big boys at the moment. Now, <clears throat> moving on, and it's an interesting one here by Robert Harrison. Can we discuss leadership in our squad and on the pitch? None in midfield and nothing of any note in defence. Um, is it time to hand the armband to someone else? But who? Now, this beckons a, a bigger question for mine, and that's all about Hamill. Um... Is Hamill one of the players who's going to survive a clean-out at the end of the year? I think Hamill's going to maintain the armband for the rest of the year, but I honestly believe he's playing for a contract. Um, he's been a little bit inconsistent, and as well as this, as far as captaincy is concerned, um, he's not... When you need a captain, just leave from the front. Obviously, he is a defender, but we need someone to grab it by the scruff of the balls and say, OK, this is what's going to happen. He's not, he's not doing that role. But um, as Harrison said, as Roberts said, um, who the hell else are you going to give the armband to? There are absolutely no other standout candidates for leadership. Well, before the season started, um, I was calling for um, Vedran to be given the armband because he'd been excellent the season before, earned that big contract that he received. But this season he's lost his head. I don't know why, but he hasn't been with it. But Hamill, for me, he's a player that has always been criticised and ridiculed, and rightly so. At times, he has been absolutely disgraceful in a Wanderer shirt. But I think on Sunday was one of his standout performances. He just he threw himself in front of the ball. He was everywhere. He was chasing down everything. But when you consider, okay, is he 
the type of defender that we want moving forward. I mean, he is still in his prime. I think he's only 25, 26, 27, so he still has years to come. Um, but, yeah, the armband, I couldn't see I couldn't see anyone else taking it no. because there's no, there's no leaders in there. There's no one who would say, yep, I'm going to take it and I'm going to lead this team. But I, I don't know. It's, it's tough, you know. It's a good question. Yeah, I agree. Um, it is a good question there by Robert. Um, one thing, going back to the defence a little bit here, just myself, um, Tariq Elridge, mate, honestly, was absolutely nowhere on the weekend. Um, he looks slow when he goes forward. He's the last one to come back. And other other teams, mate, they've done their homework on this. They know that there's, um, there's metres to be grabbed there. Um, a, a couple of weeks ago, when there were four of us standing around in the box, um, it, it was Tariq Elrej that they uh, against Wellington for their first goal. They they targeted him, just walked straight past him and scored. Um, he had his hand, he had fingerprints all over the goals that we um, leaked um, uh, last weekend as well. So f- for mine, and this is the one thing with Hamill being um, being your centre back and the like, you you've got a bloody well you run the line. You know, I was a crap footballer when I played, but I played eight years of defence, three years up front. One thing I loved about being up front was I didn't have to listen to my centre-back tell me where I had to stand. <laughs> you know what I mean? But <laughs> centre-backs, their job is to scream at you and tell you where you're supposed to be. We're up, we're down, we're here, we're there. We look at the line. You know what I mean? And you can't have Tarek floating about like that. You know, and um, I don't know. It's one thing in the, in the leadership that... I think that, you know, he needs to crack the whip. On the other hand, who the hell have we got coming through from down in the um, in the youth league? Because whoever the hell's playing left back down there, you know, he's got to get a go with him, Tarek spot for mine. Well, I guess this is a this is a good segue into our our squad, like what what you and I would would do if we were in Marcus Babel's situation. With the squad come seasons, and if we can run through each player, just give a little comment, keep, stay, why, if you want. Yeah. Well, um, we've been doing plenty of polls. You put plenty of polls up on the um, on the page, and they've been very, very well um, received. We've had plenty of comments and the like on that. We're going to get through the entire squad as well as for our listeners, the ones that we've missed out. Don't worry, we're going to put them up. Um, one thing, um, just. Uh, quickly, before we get on to another question here, is the um, how good have our um, youth been? I know Suman, he let in four goals and he spilled a couple of balls and this, that, the other. One thing was, in one of those goals, he was absolutely barreled and he was off on the ground. He still managed to pull a save off. Um, the subsequent third shot went in. Um, but, you know, he, he, he tried his heart out, that kid. Um, I think he looked a lot better than Nizic. And, um, well, we're veteran, like, schoolboy errors have forced us to play a schoolboy in goals, you know. Um, but um, I'm very, very impressed by the, the youth that have come through. Yeah, I think I think Suman, it, like, like you said, despite letting him fall, he made some good saves. He commanded his box well. Um, he, com- he communicated well with his back four too. So he's looked good. And then you move through the squad. Tate Russell, he's been excellent since he's come in. He looks energetic. He, he wants to get up and down the pitch. Um, he's, got, he's got great passing for a right back. I've noticed that. Um, so he's looked good. Um, Keanu Backus, I think, has stepped up. I know a lot of people seem to criticise him, but I think he's stepped up. He's taken that midfield role really well. And he constantly is chasing down balls, constantly pressuring the players. He knows when to draw a foul. His match intelligence has grown a lot. Yeah. Um, and then I think the the other one, who seems to get a lot of criticism too, but I, I just I need to point this out. Abraham Majok, he he has always put a lot of energy in, and he scored on the weekend too with yeah. his first A League goal. Um, and he's he's always looked quite dangerous. He's got a lot of pace. Sometimes his touch lets him down a bit. But I think what people have got to remember is uh, in the youth league and, and at uh, Mount Druitt Town Rangers, Town Rangers, sorry, before he came to the Wanderers, he was a striker. He's always been a striker. But because we have Riera, we have Yeboah, we had, we had um, 
I forget the name, Lachlan Scott. We had all these other strikers in front of him, essentially. He's just constantly been put out to the left or the right. He's never actually played up front, and he constantly gets criticised. I mean, I'll criticise him. The other night, one of the goals, he didn't put enough pressure on one of the runners. He didn't he didn't track back well enough. But to his defence, he's not a winger. He's a striker. He's yeah. used to just sitting and waiting for the ball, waiting for the opportunity to use his pace through the lines and go one-on-one with the keeper, like he did it in Melbourne Victory's game. He was one-on-one with Thomas and got unruly offside. So I think Majox looked well. I mean, I know a lot of criticism comes his way, but he, he, he has a bright future. He really does. He just needs to play in his natural position. Well, one thing, um, going on your, um, on your point there, mate, do you see when he took the, um, the shot um, on the weekend, first time, as soon as it come there, boom, and, you know, um, put it straight past the keeper. Like, at the end of the day, he looked very, very natural on the boys. Like you say, sometimes his touch does let him down. But when, you know, you're playing out in the wing or you're playing in midfield, it, it's bloody, it's, it's a hell of a lot different to uh, when you're a target man, when, when you're the big guy. And, like, you know, he's obviously he's a lot taller than anyone else out there. He's big, he's strong. Um, when he gets the ball, he, he uses all the toys. So... Um, I, I like him as well. I was going to say um, I'm very, very impressed by Majok. So hopefully we give him enough game, enough game time. Where look, mate, if you if you stuff up and you you you, know, you miss a goal, you miss a sitter or something, you don't have to worry about this being the end of your of your run. Give him a bit of time, let him grow into the position. As it is, like we were saying um, a little while ago, this season's gone, mate. <laughs> um, our best bet is to try and come sixth to become cannon fodder for whoever the hell comes up, you know, to, to get us in the finals. There's there's not there's, there's no title pretensions there for Wanderers this year. This is a perfect time to be blooding a hell of a lot of these young lads, and um, hopefully we see um, continued um, we'll continue graft from them. Again, I thought Majok has been bloody good. Um, let's see, um, of a couple of these now. David Abadir has talked about Hamill and Elric. We've already talked about that. Matt Skelton, potential players coming from the academy. We're just uh, touching on that ourselves. He also says lower leagues. I don't think we've got any um, room to put players in. Um, let's see. He says here, who else do we have coming through? That would be interesting. It's one thing is you don't get to see too much... Um, too much of the youth league. It's a pity that they don't put um, the entire league on on TV. Um, let's see. Talk about how exciting Russell is progressing, and for sure, uh, Risden will be finding it hard to get his spot back. Personally, I reckon Russell is doing a better job. Plus, Yaboa's energy up front. Well, Yaboa, we've touched on that. His energy up front's been amazing. Um, he's a big boy as well, eh? Yeah, you won't want to bump into him in a row. Um, he'd drop you. And um, <laughs> no, he, he's love, in the show. I love so he, he looks like he'd clout you in one go. I loved in his first game, though, that uh, the Wellington player gave him a bit of cheek and tried to arc up to him, and he just punched him square in the back. <laughs> he doesn't take any crap. I love it. Have a seat, mate. Have a seat. Yeah. <laughs> But Russell, Russell, again, he's been doing bloody good. One thing, there's been rumours with Risden um, to Aston Villa. Have you heard those ones, Pat? Yeah, I think after the World Cup, I honestly thought because he was so, he did so well in the World Cup, I thought that's it, he's gone. He, he had rumours to a Russian club, a, a championship club, but he, he, I don't know if it, it was the deal fell through or he just wanted to stay, but... He didn't move, and now he's had these rumours to Villa and apparently another championship side. I think it may have been Middlesbrough, but I'm not sure. Um, but both of those sides would be a massive upgrade on us, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, they're, they're clubs that are aspiring to be back in the Premier League. I mean, Villa's a, a Premier League established club. Yednak's still there. So, I mean, I don't know why he wouldn't move. But let's just hypothetically say that he doesn't and he comes back from the Asian Cup, and he eventually gets fit, and you have Russell there. But I know this may sound strange, but with how Tarek and Lorente have played at left-back, I wouldn't be against playing Risden on the left 
and playing Russell on the right because left back it, at the moment it's our problem area. Lorente and and Tarek don't have the legs for it anymore. They they don't get up as fast as they should. They don't track back as much as they should. They look out of the game after 55, 60 minutes. So when you have someone like Tate Russell coming through and he's a natural right back and he's playing so well, don't take him out of the team. Say to Risden, look, you're a fullback. You can play on the left. You've got a decent left foot. You can do a job there. And it fixes our left back problem instantly. So, I mean, it's just a suggestion. I'd like to see it happen, but we'll wait and see. All right, one thing with that, mate, seriously, um, the gaffer has come out and said that he doesn't have money to spend. Um, we've been touching on it earlier that, like, uh, the, the salary cap has been spent. And the like. One thing about Wanderers, we are a ruthless club when it comes to cutting contracts. Um, there's worse things to do than drawing a line straight through Tarek Elrich and um, Raul Urente's um, contracts now. While the window's open, there's still 16 days. And uh, going out there and doing some shopping. Again, if Risden was to come back and he could plug left back, it gives you the opportunity to go out there. You'd have a visa player. And as well as that, um, um, another um, another Australian. Now, we've, there's been talk about um, Luke Bratton coming to the club or, like, he's been rumoured. Like, could you imagine if we got rid of Tarek Elridge, picked up Bratton, got rid of Urente... Um, went in the market and, and, and looked for a forward or for an attacking mid um, or someone to play, a, um, you know, e- even a holding player um, in midfield. I don't see Bonavazio as a, as a holding mid. Um, I don't really know who's playing the, that position because no one seems to actually dominate and get into the fights there. Um, everyone's looking to get the ball and go into transition. Um, but... For me, I'd get rid of both of our left backs at the moment. Um, like you said, bring Risden onto onto the left side, then go shopping for um, for a uh, for a visa player and throw money at Bratton. <laughs> but um, that's just my two cents worth. Anyway, the next one is from Tom R. Alders. If I get any names wrong, guys, I apologise. Uh, maybe Alders. Um, potential A League targets. For us that are off contract. Now, this is a very interesting thing. About 30, 40%, I can't remember where I read it, might have been on FTBL or um, on goal.com or something like that. Something like 30, 40% of A League players are off contract at the end of the year or at the end of this um, season, which is to say that now that they can, uh, they can sign pre contracts, we should be in the bloody, we should be in the trenches over this. Um, looking to clean out as much as we can here and uh, pick up as many that we're, we're going forward for next year, especially when you think that come May, every other club's going to be doing the same thing. They're going to all be looking to sign their players, get our business done here in January. And if clubs are serious, like, you know, they're, um, they're, they're willing to let the player go, I can't understand why we are owned by a man worth $700 million and we can't pay anyone a fucking transfer fee. Can't give someone a couple hundred grand. Every other football team on the fucking planet does it. You know what I mean? But we don't do it in the A-League. I, it's just mystifying to me. Yeah, I, I don't understand that and why we're in the situation that we are. But, but you're, I mean, you're right. There, there are so many players that are coming off contract. I mean, the Bratton... The Bratton room is interesting. Um, I think you're right. I think he would be improvement on our midfield. Not to say that uh, Keanu and O'Doherty haven't done an excellent job in there because O'Doherty's been great this year. Obviously, he's had some bad games. Same with Keanu. But an experienced A-League midfielder with those two would really, really help us a lot. Um, I think um, the Fornaroli rumours, just to touch on them quickly, they were, I think they were honestly just generated by us as fans. I think everybody just thought, oh, Fornaroli's fallen out with Warren Joyce. Let's go in for him. But the truth is, his wage demands and what City would want for him, it's not It's not for us. I, I don't doubt the quality of Bruno Fornaroli. On his day, he's the best striker in the league, um, without a doubt. But I just don't see him coming to us. No, I don't either. Um, the one thing is as well, um, it doesn't matter how good he is or how good he's been for other managers. This is, again, it's, we've 
we can't as a as a um a supporter base or even as a football club uh, buy players for this manager. The manager, like you said, he's a top class man, and he's got to be given his um opportunity to bring in some targets. I liked your idea from earlier on in the pod, mate, when you said like you know bring in some boys from um from Germany and the like or from Europe. Um, hopefully you can go for his little roller decks and he can bring some boys um to the red and black. Well, yeah, I mean, if he's got the pedigree to bring in those types of players, we've already seen the, the quality of the recruitment through just three signings. So, I mean, I don't know how many players we have on contract. We'll, we will go through um, as a page and we'll discover who's off contract. But then there's players, as we've mentioned on the pod, um, you know, Elrich and Lorente and the like, that probably will just go because they're not up to the standard. And then you've got to think, okay, who are they going to promote from the youth side as well? I mean, Russell's probably going to get a proper contract. Um, Tass may get a proper contract. Um, you've got Majok. You've got, I mean, Lachlan Scott's got missing. I don't know where the hell he is, but <laughs> but he was looking good. He was looking good before. Um, and then you've got uh, John Roberts as well, who is probably the most exciting youth in Australia at the moment, but we're not playing him. I don't know why. Um, so it's interesting how the squad's going to be made up. You've got these free transfers that we can go for. You've got players that we're going to have to cut their contracts. You've got the opportunity for money with uh, Risden and Riera. I don't think Riera will go now because he's been injured. Um, so he'll probably stick around for the last six months. Um, and then you've got, yeah, the youth that are coming through as well. So it's interesting. Yeah, it definitely is, mate. Well, um, on that, is there anything else that you'd like to bring up? Um, uh, just one last thing. Like I said, do you want to just quickly we'll go through the, the current squad and just give us a quick, in our opinion, uh, yep. in or out? Okay. So um, we'll start with the uh, yeah, backup goalkeeper, Nizic. Out. Agree. Uh, Suman? Um, oh, he's got to stay for now. You've got to give him a little bit of time. Got to see more. Yeah, yeah, he's going to grow. That's it. Uh, yeah. uh, veteran. Oh, you've got to hope that this has just been like a brain fart and that he's going to get better again. You've got to give him between now and the end of the season. Yeah, keep. Um, uh, Elrich. Out. <laughs> Agree. Uh, Lorente. Out. Yeah. Uh, Risden. Um, it's going to be. How much long has he got on his contract? He's only got until the end of the season. Uh, look, put it this way, it doesn't matter if he goes or if he stays, um, he won't be here in May, um, after May, you can almost bet your bottom dollar on that. Yeah, so I think for me it's cash in, cash in now, take the offer, get the money, Yeah, you know, why not? Uh, Russell? Oh, he's got to stay. Yeah. Uh, Hamill? Hamill, playing for his contract for mine. Yeah, I think keep, but sign more centre-backs. Yeah. Uh, Ziegler Ziegler God almighty just like like you were saying he's been bloody awesome when he's played it's just that he's he's not on the field long enough um, let's hope we can get some uh, time out of him but if he's going to be playing one game in four then he's got to go at the end of the year yeah true um, Bacchus Bacchus um, like you said he's improved um, head over heels hopefully he keeps getting better um, I think he's better than his brother already so um, keep Yep, agree. Um, O'Doherty? Keep. Yep. Um, Alex? Um, Alex, again, I'd love just to see him play in every game. I think he's been fantastic. Um, definitely keep. Yeah, the, with Alex, I know he's definitely on a one-year deal. So it's whether Babel can keep him or he decides, no, no, I can find someone better. It's interesting to see what happens with him. But for me, I agree. I'd keep him if we had the choice, yeah. True. Um, Fitzgerald? Um, haven't seen enough of him, to be honest, but when he has played, he's played well. For now, it's keep. Yeah, I agree. Um, Kamau? Definitely keep. I've really enjoyed watching Brucey play. I know he wasn't signed by... Um, I know he was one of um, the ones Combat brought over, but I know I find him exciting. He, I, I like his bursts of pace. Um, he doesn't give up a, a ball either. Like, he doesn't give up a lost cause. Um, there's lots of energy. I like Brucey Kamau. Yeah, I agree. I've, to me, it's interesting. He he reminds me of a, a Wanderers winger of old, you know, yeah. uh, a Yusuf Hersey, uh, a Romeo Castellan, 
You yeah. know, he, he, he gets the ball and he drives at players and he tries to dribble around them. So, yeah, for me, he's got to stay. Um, Riera. Um, Riera, oof. Like you say, he's not the player he was last year. But um, at the same time, I can't remember the last time Wanderers had, you know, our, our go-to man there for three years in a row. It's going to... I, we'll put it this way, if he stays on for another year, then I believe he's deserved it. Put it this way, the man should have won five derbies for Wanderers. We just haven't been able to hold on to his goals. So I think the quality is there. It's, it's, he's just through a patch at the minute. Yeah, I, I think... I don't think he'll stay. I think his head's not there, and I think his confidence is low, so I think he probably will move on. If it's now at the end of the season, I think he's gone. But for me... I would keep him because you've still got Yeboah, but having him as well is great. Yeah. Um, I guess we're just both going to say Yeboah, yes, because he only just came in. We're not going to judge him after oh, one game. Oh, <laughs> mate, I've been, I've been very, very impressed by Yeboah. How many, um, how long's his contract? Two and a half years. So oh, that's fucking beautiful news you just made yes. every day. <laughs> no, <I'm, laughs> no I, I think, honestly, mate, I seriously think Yeboah is going to turn into a cult hero. Yeah, well, Sydney. Seriously, he, he's sort of bloke. Um, he, he, oh, mate, I'm I'm gonna swear here. He's got a bit of that Karen Bullet about him. You know what I mean? He's got a bit of a, just that Westy Yobo about him. But at the same time, like you know, he doesn't have misspelled tattoos all over him and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I agree. I think he's he's got that charisma about him, and he's you know he's quick and he and he fights and he and he's strong. And yeah. I think he's gonna suit. Suit the style perfectly. Um, uh, Rolly Bonavazia. Bonavazia, mate, seriously, Bonavazia's a heartbeat. He's up, he's down, he's up, he's down. But when he's up, he's fantastic. When he's down, he's a, a statue. Um, I don't know. I think he's another player who's playing for his position this year. Yeah, for me, considering how well he was at Wellington Phoenix, I think he's got to go. I just, he hasn't lived up to oh, it. He's and half I think we can. Where he was for Wellington. Yeah, I think we can find, like I said, like we've said on the pod, I think Babel can find someone. And Babel doesn't rate him too. I completely forgot. He's said before, his first touch is horrible. And is. if Babel doesn't rate him, then he's probably out the door. Yeah. it's Like I said, he's playing for a contract. He's got between now and May to, to show the, the form that, yeah, um, that we saw for years at Bloody Wellington. If he was playing like that, he'd definitely be in. Um, but he has to find that form from on. Yeah, exactly. Um, Mahazi. Mahazi. Um, I don't know. It's a hard one. Again, I, I like Mahazi, but I don't love him. So he's another player that he's gonna he's gonna have to show the manager that he needs to be there. Yeah, I think I think if you bring in just a hypothetical Bratton or someone. I think he's gone because yeah. you've got two young central midfielders that are going to grow, um, and you've got a you know an already A League recognised midfielder. You don't need him, so go. But if we don't get someone like that, keep him for a squad player, I guess. Um, Tokic, Tokic again. Well, look, he's another one of these boys that. Um, well, actually, he didn't come through. We signed him, didn't we? Um, yeah. But he he hasn't played more than what four or five games. Kind of played too many more. I haven't seen him much of him. Um, I don't know. I couldn't give you a fair assessment, to be fair. Yeah, I, I think the same. I think he's had a few FFA Cup and one or two league appearances, um, mainly off the bench. Um, he'll probably grow into his position, but I don't think we're going to let him go. Uh, Bridge. Bridge, mate, seriously. I don't know. When Has he played at all this year? What's the story? No. Every time, every time you get an, um, an update online, is he'll be back in two weeks. He'll be back in two weeks. You know, by the time he's back on the on the field, we're going to be fighting it out for the spoon. Um, I think he's he's a little bit too old. Um, again, he's not one for the manager. Um, I don't know. I, I I can't say bad things about Bridgie. I love Bridgie, but um, with the manager having to clean out the the club, and he's going to need all hands on deck. To, to, to improve us, I don't think he's the player to do it. Yeah, I, th- I think for me, he, he's got to go because last season, you could see his age. He, he wasn't the, the the same player. He was a shadow of the player that he formerly was with us. Yeah. Um, and he's, he, 
I mean, he has been injured all this season, but when you consider, like, okay, so we're going to pick him over, you know, an exciting Bruce Kamau or a, a Fitzgerald who needs more game time or a Abraham Majok who's going to develop and grow. Like, oh, I mate. just can't see him. Look, I'll be clear. I'll just clarify what I said. Look, just say if um, Bridge was healthy, you, I couldn't see him starting games. I'd see him as, like, you know, coming in on the 67th minute sort of thing, you know, uh, as a super sub and, and like like what Perth are doing with Sandalab. You know, I mean, I, I couldn't see him. Um, I, I couldn't see him being the, the the head striker unless we had two games in a week, sort of thing. Nah, that's it because he just doesn't have the legs for it anymore. Um, and then there's a few more youth players, but I won't go through them. And then the last one, the one that is the most interesting, obviously, Satirio. Oh God, fucking okay, SOS. Does anyone? While we were over there, didn't anyone fucking ask Popper if he wanted to bring him over? <laughs> okay, look, Poppy, you got three points. You want to you want a side serving of Satirio on the side of it, mate? Like fair fucking dinkum. Like I mean, you know, you you left us and went to Turkey. Then you've left Satirio behind. You know, now you're kicking ass in the league. You know, give us Sandalab back, and you can have Satirio. But um, no, I, I honestly um, I don't know. I I don't understand what system he fits in. You know, I, I just, I'm lost with Satirio, and bless him. You know, he's been at the club forever. But um, I don't get him. Don't get him as a footballer. I don't, he's got a, a heap of effort, and he's got very little um, um, skill. He, he's an athlete. He's the sort of bloke that, you know, you, you put him on the stopwatch, he'd probably run rings around everyone. You know, you put a football and say, dribble it and do that, and, you know, and he's running off to the left and the right, picking the ball up. He, he's got a terrible first touch. He's got um, an awful shot. Half the goals he's got, he's nutmegged the keeper. It's gone through a hand or something like that. He, he kicks the ball either into Roque or straight at the keeper. There's, there's no uh, methodology to the madness. I can't, I can't for the life of me defend him. Yeah, I, I can't really defend him either, but it's just like... At times, you see the kind of player he can be where he gets the ball and he uses his pace and he can whip a decent ball in, but it's just in two little patches. Like, especially when you consider, like, okay, he's been at the club for since year two, isn't it? Year two he signed? Yeah. So now he's, so he's getting close to four, five, six years at the club. And realistically, have you seen any envelope? Development or improvement? Fuck no, no one has. No one has. <laughs> and he's been, he's been under, uh, well, Popovich, Fox, Gombau, and Babel. So he's been under four different managers, but you still see the same satirio. Like no, no good first touch, no game awareness, no, uh, you know, clinical touch in front of goal. You know, like it's he's just. And like I said, with Bridge, same thing. Are you going to go, okay, Saturo is going to start over Kamau, Fitzgerald, Majok, um, John Roberts even, who, you know, who's coming through the youth and looks exciting. And then, you know, he's not going to start up front because you've got potentially Riera, Yaboa. You know, he's just... No. Get him off, get him off. I mean, he's no, on a big contract, good. I know. I know that he's on a big contract, but I think the club's just got to, you know, cut him. But Yeah, well, fucking, at the end of the day, this is the same thing. How the hell haven't we done some business with Perth over this? You know what I mean? Like, um, really? Like, um, Popper loves him. At the end of the day, send him to Popper. Um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> if you're out there, Josh, um, we'll all chip in, mate. We'll, we'll get you a first-class airfare. Qantas, mate, don't worry about Jetstar and anything like that. You know, I'll be <laughs> money for dinner the whole fucking lot, mate. <laughs> Let's start Go up and GoFundMe. I go for me to send Satirio to Perth. Send him to Perth. But you, heard, you heard it here first, guys. <laughs> go <you>. find me. <laughs> uh, oh, what can you do, mate? Hey, look, at the end of the day, after, um, well, a pretty brutal season so far, um, you got to laugh. And um, at, at the same time, you got to look at the positives. Um, let's go through them just quickly. There are plenty of players on that that we both agreed, nah, that boy's got to stay. It's not like we're getting rid of absolutely everyone, but there are obvious deficiencies in the squad, 
and you know um, like I said earlier the club is ruthless when it comes to um, to cutting uh, contracts and it's something that's just going to have to be done again for, for mine um, I'm really hoping that Babel is playing a bit of smoke and mirrors that he said no 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 I can't sign anyone you know there's no money for this that the other and he you know, we wake up and fucking six of them are gone and four or five of them arrived. Like I said, you can get rid of your rente and you've got a visa player there right away. Your rente has no future at the club. Elridge, Elridge is finished. You know, like you were saying, um, Risden can come in there and plug that left-hand side, you know, for six months. Then we can work out um, who, who we're going to put in there. The, the, the owner is not poor. You know what I mean? And um, But he's losing, you know... You were talking about Gombau lost the club. Um, he lost the um, lost the dressing room. At the end of the day, Letterer is losing the stands, mate. And uh, at forty bucks a head, <laughs> you know that, that that's a that's a hell of a lot of money when you're talking about every thousand that don't come in there. There's forty thousand out of your pocket. Every ten thousand, that's four hundred thousand. That happens at ten games. That's four million. You know, what I mean, you want to put some money into the bloody um, into the stands. Um, and you've got to put money into the pitch. So hopefully the, the gaff is backed. Hopefully we get to see a couple more Yeboas and the like come into the club. And you never know. Finish an honourable seventh. I will be ninth and above and I'll be happy. I'm, I'm literally at this stage cheering for whoever the hell is playing fucking Brisbane and Central Coast Mariners. You know, which is um, which is just absolutely not good enough. It's it's not what uh, our, it's not our club. yeah. It's not our club. It's it's we're in a bad state at the moment. But like like you said, I think we've got to try and make make the best uh, for the rest of the season. And I mean, we've seen it this season already. Like the the youth, that's that's probably been the highlight of the season. Is apart from Alex and how excellent he's been, probably probably the youth. I mean, Tate, Tate Russell's taken the lead by storm the last three games. And, you know, like. Just playing our, our youth players. That I mean, our, I think people forget our youth side won the comp. Like they're they're, they're yeah. the champions. They have the best youth team in Australia right now. Why um, don't we just get out there and play them? You know. Well, essentially, this is what um, um, what Babel's doing because, like he said, he's not going to spend, but he can promote. Um, and I believe we're top of the league or very close to it or top of our conference or however the fuck it works um, where they've broken it into two spots. Um, on that, mate, um, on a positive, um, thanks very much for the chat today. Yeah, thanks, mate. It's been a good, a uh, lot of hot topics to discuss, you know, a lot of uh, controversy, but it's always good. Yeah. All right, well... Um, my name is Gavin, and on behalf of Andrew, we are Red and Black Football. We'll be back um, hopefully in a in a week or two. We've both been very busy. We're going to get a couple of our other admins on, but um, stay tuned. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Red and Black TV, or um, we're on Facebook all the time, um, Red and Black Football, and our group is RBF. So. By all means, jump on board and uh, say hello. Tell us what you think. We will be posting the, this uh, this all over the place and we'll be uh, continuing to talk up Wanderers between now and October when we get, our, we get the team that we're praying for. All right, um, Andrew, um, see you later, mate. See you, mate. Have a good one. All right, take it easy, mate. Bye. You too, mate. See ya.